Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I am going to be talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander getting snubbed not once but twice of the All-Star game in the past 24 hours as well as giving you guys previews for the Thunder Spurs and Blue Greensboro Swarm games. So just going right into this with SGA, man, we've been waiting on the All-Star Reserves list for a while now. I believe that they announced these starters like on TNT last Thursday or something. So everyone was just waiting in anticipation for who would be on the rosters. And it got announced on Tuesday, probably around evening, came from Shams of the Athletic. He broke the story here. And... Shea Gilgis Alexander is not on the All-Star Reserves. Now, for the Eastern Conference, there's a couple of snubs as well, like Trey Young and DeMontis Sabonis really highlight that category. But even on the Western side, there's a lot of snubs too. And there's so many great players in both conferences. However, I mean, some of these calls were a bit crazy. I'm not really going to go too far in depth on the Eastern Conference just because it really does not relate to the OKC Thunder at all. They had Harden, Randall, Tatum, Brown, Levine, Simmons, and Vucevic as your All-Stars. I'd say the only controversial one in my eyes would probably be Julius Randall. And I could I could see Sabonis probably filling in there pretty well. Sabonis is having one hell of a season. Randall is too, though. For the West, though, you're looking at Chris Paul, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis. Put that one in the back of your head, though, when it comes to Davis. Anyways, when I assess this, the only ones who kind of stick out to me are probably Chris Paul and Donovan Mitchell. However, with Donovan Mitchell, you need to give him credit because, I mean, the Utah Jazz are the best team in the NBA right now. So even if the individual statistics are not crazy, he's averaging 24.5 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists right now. I mean, I wouldn't consider that better than SGA's, but whenever you factor in record and probably what he's done, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, he's an easy selection, so I'm not mad. Only one that maybe you can be a tad upset about is Chris Paul, and I mean, he's averaging some quality numbers, 16.6 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 8.5 assists. I think the main reason he's in I mean the Phoenix Suns are not doing that bad right now they're having one great season here and I think people were even vouching for Devin Booker potentially being put over Chris Paul here uh maybe their wishes end up getting granted but yeah Chris Paul gets in I think it's likely just due to the Suns being fourth in the west right now they're 20 and 10 so pretty good with them definitely exceeding expectations that people have set in place for them I think SGA I don't know I think he has a real a real shot in maybe combating with those other guys I think other guards like Curry and Damian Lillard are straight locks and all the front court members really you don't get in for those so that's just my way of looking at things a little bit surprised because SGA's had a great year. He's averaging 22.8 points, 5.2 rebounds, and 6.5 assists right now through the first 25 games of the season. He's only 22 years old, and he's looking amazing. I mean, he is one of five players 
in the entire league averaging 20 points five rebounds and five assists and if you want to say oh we're going to make it more exclusive 20 points five rebounds six assists it only goes down to four other people and just looking at it from 25 and five because i don't want to nick nitpick that bad it's just steph curry luca zach levine and james harden all four of those guys were locks for all-star appearances i'd say levine is the only question mark but if levine didn't get in that would have just been a disrespectful I don't know, this was pretty disrespectful too, as a Thunder fan, that SGA didn't get a nod. But yeah, I mean, I bet everyone else, whenever you're looking at their all-star stat lines, they're going to be highlighting, they're averaging that. And SGA is not going to be sitting in Atlanta on March 7th for it. So, kind of wild to think about there. He's also been great at all three levels. I mean, he's one of the best drivers in the whole entire game. I mean, he's averaging the second most points off of drives this season. Only dude ahead of him is Luka. I think Luka's averaging 14. SJ's right around the 12-point mark. So, very elite. And then also, he's just shooting the freaking lights out, man. When you're looking at Western Conference guards, there's only four people who average 20-plus a game and shoot above 40% from three. Did you know that SGA shot over 40%? I didn't even know that until researching for this. That is wild. I saw him strictly as a penetrator, great at passing, shooting, a little bit iffy, but I didn't think he was this consistent. I believe the only other guys in this conversation were Steph Curry, CJ McCollum, I believe was in there, as well as Malik Beasley from the Timberwolves and Beasley he's not going to be in because his other stats don't work out and the Timberwolves kind of suck this year and McCollum he's not an all-star because he's not going to be available for them so that's why you mark him I'd still say it's a pretty good class you can say oh there's some outliers maybe I'm nitpicking I don't really know to be quite honest with you I think it's a fair thing to kind of highlight with him because none of these other guards are you know having this kind of stat line except for Steph Curry think about that anyways also like just efficiency wise he's been great it's obvious he's the best player on the thunder he makes the biggest impact pull him out you have major issues and when you look at it from the player estimated impact rating advanced stat kind of just encompasses everything how much do you contribute to your team he is fifth best when you're looking at active guards right now mccollum he's above but he's also hurt, so you take him out, number five, and I would probably say if it was not for him being injured, and I'd say like the, that little knee injury where he was out like five games, if I had to guess, if it weren't for those, he would be in the top three, guaranteed, because in his absence, I mean, the Thunder played very, very well, and I guess maybe that could lower it, I'm not sure, Maybe that's not the right way to look at it. I'm not the one making this formula here, but I'm just assuming if he didn't get that knee injury, he'd be a lot higher here. Probably some of his other stats would look a little bit better as well. Just looking at this from a long-term perspective, I don't think SGA is going to get rattled by this. If anything, it's probably just going to encourage him. Historically, this does put a little bit of a blemish on the Thunder. Their streak of 11 years of netting an all-star is just right out the window now i had started back in kevin durant's like 09 10 campaign i think and we've always had one since had two had three in a season i don't know if we ever had four but 
I mean, there's been a lot of great guys coming in and out of this franchise. And there's a great one here in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Deserved to be an all-star. Should have kept that streak going. League said, hell no, you're in a small market. We got other people to be going after, so you're right out there. And maybe, I mean, obviously I'm just kidding when I say that, but maybe some of these like votes actually screwed him over. And I'm not talking like media and player voting, because actually he did very well in those categories. He was ranked number seven when it came to the player listings. He was tied with Chris Paul here. And then with the media ranking, he also was tied with Chris Paul at number five. Thing that separated him and really tanked him in terms of how these votes were weighed out, fan vote. Rank number 11 in Western Conference guards. You probably have Alex Caruso above him somewhere. I don't know how how they allow it to happen. It's 50% of the vote coming from fans. And that's not a problem, but I mean, more often than not, you're going to see the... I don't know, maybe less deserving people getting up there, the memes, you got Caruso, got Bull Bull, you got Taco Fall making the all-star appearance if you want to do it that way. I guess they thought 50% would have been a happy medium. As a fan who probably is pretty salty that one of their, or one of their favorite players didn't get in, yeah, I think maybe lower that to 25% and boost up like player or media. I'd probably go with the player one, to be quite honest with you. I think the media one may have helped Shea Gilgis-Alexander a bit more, but eh, I think the players probably should have a bigger say because, I mean, they're with these guys on a day-to-day basis. They know how well they play on the court. They, they know an all-star when they see one. So, I don't know. Maybe the system, bit rinky-dink. You can't really blame it, though. There's just so many great guys in this Western Conference, and there's probably other fan bases and just a lot of people unhappy about these results here there's so many snubs that you can be talking about I know that um DeMar DeRozan of San Antonio those fans are not too happy because he was 0.2 points away from making the 25-5 cut he's also averaging a career high in assists right now with the team I mean Devin Booker he's been great didn't originally make it into the cut. And then you also have players such as Mike Conley, who he's never made an all-star game, but he's always been very, very great. So maybe you finally give him a nod here. He's been a leader at the point guard position. So, hey, maybe you should give him three all-stars. You already got Gobert. Now you got Mitchell. Make it a trifecta with Conley. I think SGA probably had a better case than him, though. There was another case to be made, however, because Anthony Davis, who was in this original reserve list, he had to get taken off because he's dealing with an injury right now. I mean, he's battling a pretty bad calf strain, zero timetable. I, I guess they laid out the, the plan to him, like, can you make this game? Of course he's going to say no. The man's rehabbing. You really want to screw yourself over in the All-Star game? I mean, I guess some probably would. Davis, I guess he doesn't want to do that. He's trying to contend for a championship, uh, not the uh, all-star game MVP, which is still really cool to have. But yeah, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He withdraws, get an open spot. Who does it go to? It goes to Devin Booker. And Devin Booker, great guy. Great guy. Um, I don't know if statistically he's better than SGA, though. Uh, 
I mean, SGA, he's not scoring more than Booker. Booker's averaging 24.4 a game, and then SGA is averaging a total of 22.8 points. All the other categories you want to talk about, though, SGA is leading it in. He has 5.2 rebounds to Booker's 3.7. Assist-wise, 6.5 to Booker's 4.4. Steals, damn near identical. Booker's averaging 0.9 a game. And then SGA's averaging 0.8. Blocks, SGA 0.6. Booker 0.3. I don't really look into that that much because of how small those figures are. But things that you can look at, how about field goal percentage? SGA is making over half of his shots this year. He's averaging 50.6%. Devin Booker shooting 49.2. Probably not a big difference. Not gonna lie. However, I think one that is a big difference is the three-point percentage. I told you he's averaging above 40% from downtown. Right now, he's currently sitting at 40.7%. Booker, about five percentages down. 35.3. And Devin Booker's a sharpshooter. He's a shot creator. He does have the ball in his hands a lot, but he's not a facilitator. SGA gives you the best of both worlds leading while also being able to create do anything he's wanted to this year i see him as an all-star the case is strong for booker as well but when you break it down by the numbers i say you probably have to give it with to shay gilgis alexander i mean you can make a claim with everyone like you could say with derozan you know derozan's only losing the point category which probably is true but he's not even cracking 20 so i guess that might put him out of the race and then even in eastern conferences like i said i think sabonis probably got the worst treatment out of anyone here so maybe i shouldn't be complaining as hard i just think you know it's a tough go and as thunder fans we've always been super lucky because we get all-star appearances when you know there's really strong cases for others like Chris Paul last season, whenever he filled in, originally he wasn't going to be an all-star. He was the replacement. So we got that nod. I mean, I guarantee there were some other people who probably could have deserved it too. I think they made the right call with Chris Paul, obviously not being biased or anything. Now, table shift. Paul's over with the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns guy gets it over the thunder. So a little bit rough there. I think the snub team would still look absolutely amazing with all these people who barely missed out on the cut here. I think something that was funny was Shams actually made like a second tweet uh, about the selections. This was before there was a reserve replacement, but he was doing like this snub all-star team. He didn't even put Shea Gilgis-Alexander in there. So now that Booker's in, does Shea take that role in the all-star snub list, or does that go to some random guy? Quite frankly, I couldn't tell you. I feel like, you know, he may get just another disservice if Shams were to make another tweet. He's not going to do that, of course, but I don't know. There was just not a lot of love for SGA on social media. Everyone, whenever the list came out, was just saying, oh man, Devin Booker deserved this. He's the most disrespected player in the league. I think that went from, like, LeBron or something. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, just a lot of people were really mad. And the NBA catered towards him. He probably was ahead of SGA on the list to begin with. He definitely was. But, 
yeah, I mean, Bookerson, Gilders Alexander, not doing anything. Just means more training for the man in Oklahoma City. Get him ready for the second half of the season. That will be released soon. I will talk about that in the next episode. So that's something to look forward to. Maybe it'll be a little bit of an easier schedule. SJ might be able to cakewalk his way through the season or maybe a lot more tough opponents where SJ can probably improve upon himself going against some of the best of the best this league has to offer. Moving right along though to today's game previews. I'm going to start with the Thunder San Antonio Spurs game for today. They're going to be playing at 7 p.m. It's going to be at the peak. San Antonio have had a ton of games postponed. I think they have been on a three-game postponement due to health and safety protocols, and they're going to be down a significant portion of their roster for this game. There will be a lot of heavy hitters out for the San Antonio Spurs in this game, and you got to start with DeMar DeRozan. You know, thinking he's going to be an all-star, we're not going to be able to see him going up against another snub in SGA. Keldon Johnson is going to be out too. He had a monstrous game against the Thunder in one of their first meetings of the year. Derek White also is not going to be playing. He has had a tendency to go off in games against us, so that is a positive. Also, Rudy Gay is going to be out. That is a great bench presence that they will not be able to see, as well as Devin Vassell lottery pick for them supposed to be like a three and d specialist he didn't do too crazy against the okc thunder in their first matchups but you know maybe he could have gone off lottery pick for a reason so a lot of helpful absences for the spurs okc they don't have anyone out that you would not expect you still got hill out you got ariza doing whatever you know playing basketball with amari stoudemire in miami and then everyone in Orlando, so nothing too crazy. Going to see your typical lineup against a Spurs team that is just really depleted of players right now. So it's going to be weird seeing how they form out this starting five. LaMarcus Aldridge, clearly he's got to be the lock. He needs to be a star for San Antonio to win this game. Probably say same with like Patty Mills and DeJounte Murray. If I had to guess what a starting lineup would be, Maybe you would move Patty Mills into the starting unit, make him the one, go Murray at the two. Lonnie Walker, he has been pretty good for the Spurs. He's on a bit of a downward slump, but when he gets going, he looks great. He also was killer, just like Keldon Johnson was, so I'd probably say he gets a starting nod. You got LaMarcus Aldridge. What do you do at the center spot? You go with a dude like Jakob Pertle, Trey Lyles, Drew Eubanks potentially that's really what you're going to be looking at here so i don't know that's probably my starting five i think that an okc healthy roster probably outweighs the one that you're looking at so that definitely helps out a ton if the thunder are going to win this game it's got to come through sga i mean dude needs to make a statement he's got dejounte on him and dejounte is a very very good perimeter and interior defender it's going to be a very hard fought matchup but Shay, i mean we've seen him going up against some great opponents and still coming out on top you need to be looking towards him probably as your number one source of offense here also i mean when you got players like lou dort 
I think it's going to help you out a ton. I don't really know where he's going to get slotted. I think he might have to guard Lonnie Walker just due to probably not needing to slide over on Murray and just Patty Mills being a little bit too small to switch onto him. I don't know if you'd want to thrust SGA um, into a different position, guarding a different position as well as Maladone. So I'd probably have Dort on Walker. I think Walker need to silence him because he can be the unexpected DeMar DeRozan kind of type for San Antonio if you don't watch out. Aldridge always kills us, so going to need to prevent him. I don't know if it's going to be Horford facing up on him or if it's going to be Baisley. Regardless, though, you know what you have in him. He's a stretch four or five who loves going up in the post. You can't let the man get isolated on the mid-range because he will kill you every single time. That needs to be the number one priority for Mark Dagnalt and his crew for the game. And I think just getting others involved. I mean, Darius Baisley, he's been pretty quiet going up against what likely is going to be a smaller four or just more of an inexperienced four, whether it's like Lyles or whoever it is. I think that could be an advantage for him potentially. I think even when you look at like guards, you got Trey Jones who will need to be playing a ton of minutes for the team. He's not a bad point guard. I think he's actually kind of a sleeper selection by them. But maybe you can get someone rolling like Teo Maladone in the pick and rolls again. Because against San Antonio, this is where he had 20 points in the preseason. Just off of high pick and rolls with Isaiah Roby. And Isaiah Roby at the center could cause some pandemonium too. You know, that pairing is beautiful. And with him now finally branching off to the three comfortably and playing, you know, in with the ball in his hands, really. He's been driving in on his own, taking step-back threes whenever he feels like it, even trying to clash in for some free throws and or layups. So I guess him on a less mobile guy like a Pirtle or Eubanks, that's that's going to help out a ton. And maybe he might get bullied a little bit, but I don't think that either a Pirtle or Eubanks are that great of finishers anyway, so I'm not that concerned about it, really. I think bench play... Like like you can see from Roby, will be very, very critical. Also looking at the three and four, since that's where you're looking at a lot of their injuries coming from. Justin Jackson off the bench, he's been a little bit quiet. Does he get the minutes this game? And does he use them to the best of his abilities? Who are you going to put at the backup small forward? Is it going to be someone like Kenrich Williams? He also has not been going that wild when it comes to point production. However, he has been great slashing inside. Maybe you could try to use him as a cutter against probably a super duper tired Lonnie Walker if he has to withstand 35 plus minutes of play because he's just not used to that right now. I think same goes with others. When you got to play guys like Murray and Mills kind of in a weird position for a long time, that could lead to them getting super tired. And you already know SJ's crazy uh, speedy, so... He could drive right by Mills if he's that tired. And then same goes with someone like Diallo if he's having to slide through Murray, who that's a tough test. Diallo's probably more, I'd say, strong than um, than Murray is. And if he just has a full head of steam, I don't think Murray would be able to stop him. So I'd say really it could just come down to them being too tired. They don't have the rotation right now. Maybe they can still kind of come together 
and spit out some sort of run here. I think if they were to get a win, it would be off of something crazy like Patty Mills maybe just going off from downtown because he does that. Same can be said with someone like Walker or Aldridge. That's kind of the big three that I would see balling out. Maybe DeJounte Murray too, but he's more of a defensive player if I'd say so myself. A lot more options for this Thunder team though, and I think that is honestly what could end up giving them a victory here. Just look towards your regulars in SGA. Say Maladon, sneaky guy. Same goes with Isaiah Roby. Maybe Baisley will be able to shake off this cold streak he is at as well. But moving on to the G League game, OKC Blue still on a roll. They are 7-1. That is tied for the best record in the G League right now. They're going to be going up against the Greensboro Swarm, who have Admiral Schofield. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. Had him in the training camp, cut ties with the man. He got thrown into the G League draft. And the Swarm with the number one selection, they said, yep, that is the guy that we would like. So, get him. I mean, he's not been like a superstar for the Swarm, but you don't want to kind of undervalue him in a game like this because he is such a unique prospect and in terms of his body, kind of like that linebacker dort type, that he could actually do some damage down low. And, you know, when the Blue have been just striving themselves off of inside shots with Yurt7 and Moses Brown, getting a big player who can match the strength, uh, that's really going to potentially create a problem. And I know they also do have a 7-foot center. They have not had to deal with many 7-footers. They have Nick Richards for the Swarm. I know he's had a little bit of experience, like he's not your typical just immediately got out of college type. I think he's more kind of refined, so maybe Richards could give more of an issue. I'm not really too worried about it. I think that Moses Brown has just been so dominant. No matter who he's stacked up against, he's going to find some sort of way to score, whether it's through having to go through screens or just post-ups. I think he's going to get his points. I think Yurt Seven's more the one where... You know, if he's matched up against someone with the same frame, he tends to tense up and play super passive from the three-point line. Luckily, I don't think that's a problem because Swarm don't have a second seven-footer like the Thunder does. So, I don't know. He, he'll probably be inside as well. I mean, the, uh, the Swarm, they're really, like, guard-heavy, I would say. And... You know, it's crazy to me, like, how these rosters are constructed because all these veterans that I remember, they just don't even start right now. Like, Ray McCallum, if you guys remember him for the Sacramento Kings, I don't know if he played that much, but I know in 2K, this man was a legend. He's on the Swarm, but he's a bench player for them. I know, just based off 2K ratings, so it's probably not that accurate. He could pretty much shoot it from anywhere he wanted to. I think he also had a sweet dunk, too. So maybe you need to clamp up on him off of the bench you also got kobe simmons too i feel like i've heard that around as well so i'd say that's maybe one of the uh the primary scores you could see from that squad to go along with schofield however i mean i just think the blue they have so many players that that have the potential to just go completely off i don't know if i can say the same with the swarm they're they're all right i mean they're three and five for a reason just because they just can't end up pulling games out. You know, the blue definitely can. So I think main thing you need to look towards is the center play. Moses Brown, if he is able to do his stuff, 
should probably be in the Blues' favor. Still need to make sure Pokachevsky's in line. I mean, Pokachevsky has been super hot, and you guys know from watching the Thunder games, like, when he has that one game of being amazing, he tends to follow it up with kind of an iffy performance where he has that confidence, like, so much confidence, probably more than his previous game, and he just keeps shooting. And he doesn't really limit himself. He gets that Hamadou Diallo syndrome we saw from his first couple years. He shook it off now. But I'm just saying, that's the kind of cold you don't want to have with you. I don't think Pogachevsky will be doing that. I think likely he's a little bit more sound now. I don't expect him to be chucking like full court, way out of bounds passes. But... Just making sure he he doesn't shoot too much, and if he is having a bad night, just make sure to pass. I mean, the dude's been on Sports Center for how well he's done distributing. So if it's not going in, all you need to do is facilitate. You'll be fine. There's so many great facilitators alongside him. Xavier Simpson, I expect him to be dominant when it comes to getting guys inside. And I mean, when you have players such as Jalen Horde and Antonius Cleveland who just keep slashing more and more every game. It's probably going to continue to be more of a points-in-the-paint barrage for this squad. But then, you counter it with someone like Ty Jerome and someone like Rob Edwards, who hit threes at will now, and you just have scoring from everywhere. So there's so much to be kind of addressing for squads. Swarm, I think they're a little bit built better than other teams, but it's still not that fair. I think that, I think that the blue probably should be able to work their way around these guys i don't think shooting percentages should be an issue i think inside one of yurt seven or brown should go off if brown ends up getting clamped up or something i can assure you that if yurt seven doesn't have a big man he could probably be the leading scorer for this team and i'm not even joking brown just he he does his own stuff he's able to get offensive boards just slam it home you're, you're going to be looking pretty solid here. And I didn't even mention other players such as uh, Melvin Frazier Jr. as well, which is wild. I mean, I thought Melvin Frazier Jr. would be the absolute man. He's been just a role player, but he's been very, very good at it. And that's something that I've loved about this team so far. Like, everyone is willing to take a backseat role when they see some of the other team members working out. So it'll be fun to see if the OKC Blue can get another victory here. If they do get another victory... Getting me in pretty good standing because, you know, when you only have two other teams with the 7-1 and one record, eventually they're going to start crumbling and that's going to leave you on the top. Pretty big game for us here as well because the upcoming schedule is going to be a little bit rougher. They have to play the Austin, I think it's the Austin Spurs right now. Maybe it's the Austin Toros. I don't know if I'm tripping. I think it's the Austin Spurs. Got them. They have a pretty sweet record right now. And then... That's when you start going into some of the Goliaths in the um, the Erie Bayhawks and the Delaware Bluecoats. They're upcoming. They're going to be in the next week. So getting a win here, pretty significant. I'm not going to say this has crazy implications right now because with a loss, they're not dropping too far. But you always need to get the easy victories out the way because, you know, you lose to some of these bigger squads that can really end up hurting you. And when there's only one conference and there's only a select amount of spots available in in this playoff format, a lot of 500 teams may just be cut off here. 
So you don't want to get in a position where, sure, right now it looks like they're on the top, but if they get in a cold streak, they're going to be right in the playoff spots where their future is not decided until the final game. You don't want to do that. I think a win here probably cements yourself in a conversation. You don't get too far ahead, but you need to get a you need to get a victory here. That's just how it is. Anyways, I'm really excited to watch that game. It's going to be on at 2:30 Central Standard Time, ESPN Plus. Always got it on there. If you don't have it already, highly suggest it. I'm only going to use it while the blue are on. Got some sweet 30 for 30s on it too. I say it's worth the deal. I'll probably cut it off later. Anyways, I think that's great. Make sure to watch them. Make sure to watch the Thunder too. If you can't catch those, don't worry. I'll give you recaps in tomorrow's episode. So stay tuned for that. Other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening. I will talk to you all next time. See ya.